Welcome to the Retail Wire Podcast. The show bringing you the very best in expert analysis, insights, and discussions straight from some of the retail industry's leading experts. Whether you're a retailer looking to stay ahead of the curve, a supplier navigating the ever-changing retail landscape, or someone who just really loves retail, we've got you covered. Get ready. It's time for another great episode here on the Retail Wire Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the next episode here on the Retail Wire Podcast. We are doing another part of our series, Meet the Brain Trust. Uh, I'm excited for this episode because I've got in the studio with me uh, one of our Brain Trust members who he and I share a little something in common, and that's the proper spelling of Brian. Uh, I've got Brian Cluster in the studio with me here. Uh, he's the Director of Industry Strategy, uh, CPG and Retail at Stebo Systems. Uh, they're a leader in the SaaS master data management industry, if you didn't know that. Um, he's also an adjunct professor of business analytics and digital digitization. See, I'm going to mess this up before we even get going, Brian. Don't worry. Uh, he's out at the University of San Diego School of Business, and he's also, of course, a brain trust member here at Retail Wire. Welcome to the show, Brian. Thank you. I'm so excited. I, I really enjoy being a brain trust, so it's just great to be here with you. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, uh, it's been really cool to do this series and kind of get to know some more of our people and and uh, just what makes you guys tick, you know, and what's what's exciting to you. So, like I said, welcome to the show. This is your time, man. Have some fun with it. We're going to have some good conversation um, and uh, just let the people know a little bit about who you are. So, speaking of that, who are you, man? Tell us a little bit about your background. Where'd you grow up? What what you do? And uh, I think I think you're in San Diego now, right? Yep, I yeah. If you really describe me, my my number one thing is being a uh, trying to be a great dad. I have three daughters, uh, ranging in college age, senior in high school, about to get graduated in three weeks here, and then I have a, a third grader. So, all various levels, all various interesting challenges of being that. Um, I love education. Um, I do a lot of reading. I love to share insights with others. Um, that's really core. I like to help my children. And then, you know, I think about it the same way as helping others learn about different things. And I guess if you really want to know me, you know, I'm from Chicago. I'm a Cubs, a diehard Cubs fan, even in the lean years. And I, even though I'm in San Diego now, I have not transferred over to being a Padres fan. And other things I like to do is like just being outside, enjoying the beautiful weather of San Diego, going on hikes, mountain biking, doing all those great things. So that's a little bit about me as uh, Brian with an eye. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, well, hey, you mentioned uh, you like to be outdoors and everything there. I know uh, what's what's your favorite area of San Diego to kind of go hiking in? Well, I, there's a number of mountain you know ranges. If, if you go about 20 miles uh, east of the coast... Um, there's Iron Mountain. There's a there's a there's a trail where you go on to five peaks in one day. It's a 17 mile hike. I've never done it, but it's on my bucket list. But um, anything along the beach along is a nice casual, you know, 10 to 20 mile mile walk, or you know, into the mountains where you can just hit specific trails and maybe. And these days, you can actually see some waterfalls um, because of our heavy rains this spring. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a it's a gorgeous area out there. San Diego is definitely one of my favorite areas to visit um, anytime I get a chance to. So, plus it has a little special place in my heart. That's where I got to meet Stan Lee one day at uh, at uh, Comic Con. So that was fun. Oh, oh amazing! Yes, yeah. <laughs> I'm a bit of a nerd, so. Um, but yeah, man, I tell you what, the the dad life is a great life. That's for sure. So, congrats on that, and uh, you know, great to, great to hear that, man. So, um. So your your education, man. You you love to teach people. You love to share uh, insights and everything, which I would assume kind of led you to your role at, in, in retail industry now, right? Um, you're with uh, you're with Stebo. So what's uh, what kind of was your journey coming into retail? Yeah, I mean, I had a great start. I you know, if everyone, anyone knows Jewel Osco, I think they're legendary in the Chicago area. There, I think they're still the number one grocery retail out of Chicago. And uh, I started in the management program at Damon Associates, which is a food broker now called Damon Worldwide. And they make uh, private brands for many of our retailers out there. And uh, I started off going, I had my own little territory. So I had 40 stores in the Chicago area. I would make sure that um, all the uh, private brands were there. They were merchandised well. I, we'd have marketing programs with the store manager, check on, make sure there's no out of stocks, all these type of fundamentals that you need to know in retail. And then you get, you get to rotate. You can do category management for a while. You can work with the, the vendors that make the products. Um, so that whole management program, um, I was very fortunate to come out of school and then go into that right away because then it just kind of extended my training and knowledge to be able to have a full view of the industry, you know, early on. Yeah. What, what, uh, what time period was that around? That is, uh, many years ago. So this was a uh, 97 okay. and, uh, it was before the merger or acquisition of Alberts and stores. And there's a number of uh, mergers and we're about to have another one, uh, soon with, with yeah. Albertsons, but, uh, it was one of those mergers along the way uh, back in 97 to 2000 uh, yeah, period. That was definitely an intense period for retail, I think, uh, with, with everything that was shifting and growing and, and like you're saying, mergers and all that. So it goes, it goes through phases, right? Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, that period was was great just because you when you're in a program, I don't know how many programs like that or management programs are for younger uh, junior people are anymore, but I was able to quickly find, you know, where are my, where's my strengths? I don't like doing sales with vendors. So, okay, okay I'm going to pass on that. I, I delved into the data and did category analytics, work with the buyer on various promotional analytics. And that, and then I just kind of settled into that role. And, um, uh, you know, within two or three different roles, you know, sub roles within that management program, I really knew right away, okay, this is my sweet spot. It didn't take yeah. me very long. So, okay. So then how'd you end up over at Stebo? What, what brought you there? A uh, couple years later, many years later, I spent 10 years with Nielsen um, as well as working for a retailer um, out in a uh, Hagen grocery chain out of uh, Washington as well as um, working for an automotive aftermarket uh, company. With all those background in market research, category management, analytics, digital transformation, 
um, it allowed me to stop doing the work of our clients, but to talk about it in a yeah. thought leadership approach. So, um, you know, when you have, I had a, a mentor that brought me into Steve-O and, um, and, and that what's really got me in trying something new, um, getting into the software business for a leading company like Steve-O Systems was, um, was really attractive to me and having this role to build out the thought leadership, write white papers, be on exciting shows like this was um, right up my alley at that point in my career. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're very fortunate to have you there and that's, that's really good. So um, what is one thing, you know, I kind of, I guess in all of your roles, maybe across the industry, has there been one thing that's kind of stood out uh, within that data management or analytics or anything that was just like, you see it happening time and time again. And you're just, you're just like, guys, why can you not grasp this? Or, or, Hey, you guys are really hitting it right here. You know, uh, was, is there some certain area that tends to be more problematic, uh, when it comes to data management, uh, in that industry? Yeah. I, I, you know, just like you said, you could geek out. Um, I could geek out on this topic. And I I think the one thing is that, you know, in the analyst role, you're, you're taking all the data from upstream down to you you're at the end of the road you're going to make decisions on this data you're going to do stuff with this data but many analysts are just blind they don't know where that data came from you know how it was created is it is it legitimately you know accurate is it current um how did this get formulated yeah and so um the thing is every analyst needs to really work to understand and go beyond the cubicle of the analyst world to work with the IT teams, to work with business leaders, to work with maybe data governance teams to really bond with them, understand them, understand this data and get into the origins of the data because um, there could be some things that they're doing that they don't even know that's doing wrong that could be tainting their data which affects you and your ability to do your job as an analyst. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, we mentioned just a little bit before we jumped on camera that I had, I had actually been, uh, I've got a small history in data analytics and it's, it's amazing to see the little things that can have such a big impact uh, on data collection and, and kind of that interpretation side. So uh, yeah, I can, I can imagine that's a place that tends to be a pitfall for most companies or, or individuals even across the, the board. So, Yeah, and the other piece of this I'll just add on to it. So you bring the data in, there's duplicates, there's holes in the data, and as an analyst, you just take it and fix it yourself, and you're done, and you finish your project, you show it to your manager, you're done. But you never go back to tell the David governance, hey, you got all these problems here. And so when you get the data the next round, it's the same poor, yep. not complete data, and you haven't really contributed to improving it. So it's yep. also the confidence to give feedback to the IT team or management, whatever, that, hey, we have a data problem here. We need to address it. Otherwise, you, you're stuck uh, suffering in silence and, and just doing those same cleanups for the next five years. If you, if you really are into that, go ahead. But it's better to like have the confidence to give feedback and and and. Uh, be part of the solution for the company. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's that's vital not only for analytics, but yeah, really any role because if you're not able to provide feedback and be heard uh, in such a way that you're you're trying to build you know the entire company or organization better, then you know you you should probably look elsewhere because you're you're being undervalued, and so that's a uh, that's a good thing, man. I'm I'm again like I'm I'm just fascinated by all this stuff. So I I got to rein myself in here, or else I could talk nerdy stuff here the entire day. Uh, <laughs> but um, man, let's let's talk just really quick about kind of what's something you see uh, as a lesson you've learned, um, and, and I think this plays partially to just what you just said there of uh, be be willing to give feedback or accept feedback too. But would you say that's probably one of the biggest things you've learned about yourself through this process of, of retail or has there been something else for you? I think I would for this question, I would just basically think about it as uh, I would like to give some advice to some people, maybe just starting off from college because I, I had yeah. the college perspective and then I, I kind of know what the master MBA perspective is and um my recommendation is to get out of your own little dominion, your own little department and actually be in cross functional groups, Um, learn from others, go to the accounting department, go to the finance. um, And you don't have to do it a physical way, but try to make your rounds physically or virtually with everyone. That's really key in the company, because if you really understand all of it, you have uh, a leg up, in making sure that whatever you do is aligned to the strategy of the company. And then you can also show leadership and initiative to say, hey, you're really invested in learning about the company instead of just doing what you normally do every single day. So, yeah. um, and then these, there's just tremendous opportunities. Um, if, you, if you put your hand up and you raise your hand up for to volunteer for one of these committees, it gets uh, noticed by senior leaders that, hey, you know, Brian yeah. is interested in improving himself. He, he's actually really vested in this company. He's engaged and uh, we should look for maybe other opportunities for him to advance or something like that. So I see that as a direct output of getting involved with things outside of your core role. That's really good. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people tend to think, Hey, I got hired for this one role or this one area and I need to stick to that lane. Um, you know, and, and to a degree, there's definitely some credibility to that because you want to make sure you're doing your job with excellence. Um, but then, I, man, that's that's crucial to be able to understand that big picture of why you're doing your role and kind of how it plays into everybody else's role. Because uh, ultimately, if if one team's doing excellence, uh, you know, creating excellence, and uh, the other team is uh, also creating excellence, but they're not talking about why or how, then uh, I could see. Yeah, that, that doesn't play the best for everybody. So, well, mm-hmm. let's move into what's what's current right now. Uh, we touched a little bit on this uh, before we jumped into the conversation. What are you most excited for in the space of whether it's retail or data analytics or any of that? Uh, what are you excited for? Because there's a lot of stuff, obvious tech answers that I won't say out loud. I'll let you be the one if you want to go there. Uh, <laughs> but... There's like a lot of stuff happening, I think, in the world specifically of retail right now that uh, we could go down a lot of rabbit trails. Yeah, I have two rabbit trails, but I'll just start with the first one because I think it's more 
generic and more current right now. And we've all heard about the supply chain, basically how the products get from their origins through, you know, through the airports, through the railroads, to the warehouses, to the store, to the consumer shelves at home. But, you know, I don't think maybe this audience is aware of the data supply chain. And that is about how does data move from various points in the organization? Who touches it? How does it get there? How long does it take? And maybe um, is it going to the right audience? And is there a shelf life to this data? And this is something that we talk about all the time because no, there's so much data. It's there's a you know big data can be a problem, but if you get a you wrestle it and you wrangle it to the way it's supposed to go and flow through your organization, it doesn't have to be a problem. Yeah. But the the whole data supply chain, um, reducing the handoffs, reducing errors along the way. Um, and uh, I just seen so many crazy companies out there, you know, through our work with Steve Systems on some of the things that people do with data, how, you know, people take it from the system, put it in Excel, then transform it, drop it up to another system without having a direct linkage. Yeah. It's, um, it's really scary. And it's, um, it's interesting because when you're doing a lot of things, if you don't really improve your data supply chain, you're really not getting the best value out of your data. You're not enabling your people to do their best job because it's all it's all this extra work that people are doing along the way instead of doing the, the good work that everyone has the talent to do. Yeah. No, I, I that what that makes sense because I think it sounds to me like you're you're saying it would be like one of those. Uh, Do you ever play the game telephone? You know where you you whisper a sentence to the person next to you, and that person has to go down the line and share the same sentence, but you're probably going to misinterpret something at some point. And by the time you get 20 people away, you have a whole different story. And I think that happens a lot with data as well, because, uh, you know, even just going between Mac and PC or uh, Google Sheets and Excel, uh, there, there can be those little things that jump out and change uh, that you might not catch until it's it's farther down the line. And that would skew an entire story, right? Exactly. And um, too many horror stories to tell, but we can move on to the next topic. Hey. But I think everyone knows what, what we're talking about here. Yeah, we'll grab some coffee sometime and you can share more about that. <laughs> so, um, We'll tell you what, what uh, we already talked about some characteristics uh, that might be important for uh, you know, newcomers to the scene. You said just you know being able to, to jump in and, and really learn a lot of the areas for you. Um, when you're not talking about data, when you're not talking, when you're not on for work or, or teaching, what do you like to do, man? Let's uh, let's get into a little personal life for you. Yeah, well, two of my most favorite things is just getting out there in nature, um, going for long walks, long hikes, exploring some new mountains in San Diego. And the the probably the favorite thing I like to do is with my, hang out with my daughters and just find find a new ice cream shop, find a new hot spot, hang out, whether it's drink coffee and they could drink hot chocolate or whatever it is, it's just to uh, spend quality time with the family is um, really up my alley. And, uh, you know, if I have extra time, I'll also pick a book up, um, read, a, you know, various books um, and just keep educated. But that's kind of my favorite, favorite things to do out there in San Diego. 
What's the most recent book you've read? Uh, the most recent book I've read is um, I'm reading a whole bunch of Seth Gooden, Gooden books now. Um, this is marketing or the liars that marketers tell. So um, we have um, so we have such great talent in our marketing team here at Steva Systems. So I, I like to share some of the you know the stories from some of these books because they're they're outstanding. And I like Seth and some of the other authors. Um, any of the storytelling books are awesome too, to just be able to, there's so much data out there, but you need to tell a story where people can latch onto it and understand it. And storytelling is a key. Absolutely. Now I also heard you, uh, you mentioned you like to fish, right? Absolutely. I just don't have much time out here in, or I don't have many opportunities out here in California, but you know, if we happen to have an invitation to Northern Arkansas, I could see myself, um, kind of getting down there and, and figuring it out and maybe had to get some coaching for the, the local bait what's required, but uh, I can, I'm oh, yeah. definitely up for that. Well, we can get you out here. Maybe, <laughs> maybe next spring, especially springtime is the best for uh, trout fishing over here on the white river. So we can get you out there. Uh, there's a group of guys that I go with every single year and we go out and we just, we have a blast all weekend. But then there's also, I'm what's funny is I talk about the trout fishing, I'm actually more of a bass guy. So, uh, is there a certain kind of fish that you like going after? Is it more like, uh, more like your pan fish or, or bass or what's, what is your thought? You know, I have so many great memories with my father and my grandfather and it's, it's going to be a trout and it's either going to be a brown trout or a rainbow trout. I think those yep. are really common in Southern Missouri, so, uh, South, Southwest Missouri. Yep. And I'm going to stick to my roots on this one and not go the bass route, but stick with trout at this point. That's okay. I caught my very first uh, brown trout actually this year, and it was about 20 inches long, and it put up a really good fight, man. That was nice. So <laughs> Awesome, uh, yeah. But yeah, so if there was one piece of advice, we'll kind of wind it down here. If there was one piece of advice that you wish you could have told yourself or you could go back in time and tell yourself, say 20 years ago, uh, what, what would you, what would you tell yourself? 20 years ago? I, I mean, I've been fortunate in my career. Um, it's, it's to, to always have a student mindset, mm. always be curious and continuously learn. Um, even though I'm in, I'm in the over, over 50 set now, but I feel like every time, every year, there's always something new to learn, even though I've been in the industry been in the CPG industry, in the retail industry, there's a lot to learn. So always have that student mindset and that will set you up for success uh, for the long term of your career. Yeah, I think that's that's extremely vital. It doesn't matter how old you are because uh, just being teachable is a great thing. Absolutely. Well, Brian, thank you again, man, for for taking time to be with us here today. Uh, if anybody wants to get to know you better, uh, what's the best route for them to connect with you? Is that LinkedIn or, or is there a different method that they should contact you or what would you say? Yeah. yeah um, fo- follow, you know, some of the, my, uh, statements and, you know, thoughts in the brain trust on, on, yep. on retail wire and then, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, so it's been a great pleasure to be with you today, Brian. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like he said, if 
follow along on retailwire.com. You can check out all of Brian's discussions uh, and, and all of the, the other brain trust members on there. We've got over 150 brain trust members now, which is insanely cool. And uh, we post our articles out there every day for you guys to comment on and to, to really get that better human uh, element of the retail industry right back into it. So uh, follow along. If you're not subscribed already here to our podcast or our YouTube channel, be sure and do that because we've got more great episodes coming up here on the Retail Wire podcast. We'll see you all next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Retail Wire podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Be sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform and leave us a comment for a chance to hear it read on the next show. See you next time here on the Retail Wire podcast.